This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 236. Strangers and Aliens Summer Movie Series. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Father's Day Special. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to talk about sci-fi, fantasy, Christianity, faith, imagination, creativity, and fathers. Mm. And I am joined by two other fathers, and they are... Evan David. And, and Steve MacDonald. Right. Sorry, I stepped on you there. So we kind of uh, didn't plan this this way, but it worked out this way. Yep. And it's not a bad thing. Uh, but and I'm not sure if this is a summer movie series. Movie? I, I guess it would be. I mean, it's May. Well, listeners, you've already heard the music. You know by now if we chose to do <laughs> to label it that way. It doesn't matter if it's labeled that way or not. But Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was kind of the kickoff to the summer movie season. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do a road trip episode, which was actually in some ways kind of nice. But it also meant that we had to do a recording about it on our own time outside of the road trip. Yes. <laughs> and Sometimes hard to get those done. Yeah, yeah. And in this case, there were just a whole bunch of things that conspired against us. And so we are here now, appropriately releasing this episode for Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which has a huge, huge, huge thing to say about fathers. Good fathers, bad fathers, uh, adoptive fathers. Yep. Kind of. I don't know what you would call uh, him. All, yep. But, fathers of all stripe. Yeah. And yeah, it's there. There's, I mean, there's lots of stuff to talk about. So want to do non-spoilers section? Uh, just yeah. spoil the whole thing? I mean, no, we're going to start with spoilers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so let's just, – just a fair warning to you right now. Since – it's been out for, what, a month and a half? Yeah. Something like that. It's been out for a while. So we're going to go ahead and spoil it. If you haven't seen it by now, just know I really enjoyed it. I liked watching it. It was dirtier than the first one in some ways. Um, funnier than the first one in some ways. In a lot of ways. And it was... The weirdest Marvel movie that they have made to date. Yeah. Yeah. Weirder than Doctor Strange? Yeah, I'd say so. Wow. Just keep in mind you're going to get a lot of potty jokes and sexual humor. That's that's the two big caveats that I'm throwing out there. Um, yeah. Anything to add to that before we... There's some scary parts. Not for kids. There's some... It's not scary for kids? No, I'm saying there's some scary parts. The movie is not for kids. Oh, it's definitely not for kids, yeah. 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 Um, although they're not going to hear much in the movie that they wouldn't hear in the playground. Mm. So there's that. But yeah. All right. So now we're going to talk w- about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and we're going to spoil things. Okay. All right. So Baby Root. Baby Opening Groot. scene. I love that opening scene. Was that not great? Yeah. But that's not even the opening scene that I love the most. <laughs> Before Baby Groot. Nineteen eighty one or whatever, and Brandy seventy nine song, yeah, and uh, it's Queen. It's ego. He's there. Yeah, 
And I loved seeing him. How'd you like that de-aging? I thought it was great. Yeah. He said that was mostly makeup. He said that. Yeah. With I don't know. I mean, they definitely had some touches of CGI in there, but they said he said the majority of it was just yeah, yeah. But he looked great. He yeah. looked like he looked like he did back then. Hmm. I mean, honestly, I thought they did a great job with it. Better than um, Michael Douglas in Ant Man, and he was good. Yeah, I mean, they really? they de-aged him. To look like he did in the movies that he was doing at that time, and it's the same thing here. I think the best one that they've done so far was Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War. Yeah, I, like for a sec, like for a, a good twenty seconds, I was just watching it, and I'm like, "Who's that actor? Who's playing that guy?" And then I was like, "Oh wait, oh oh wait!" <laughs> the, uh, the uncanny valley hit me in waves. I'm like, "Oh no!" Ah ah. <laughs> so I um. I think we can all agree, though, that it was miles beyond um, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in X3. Oh, yes, for sure. Okay. And that was – wasn't that one of the first ones that they had done? That was one of the first ones mm-hmm. that I was aware of anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, they had, that they had done. And but. and much much better than Jeff Bridges in uh, Tron. Tron. Yeah, yeah, but the, at least in Tron Legacy – you can make the excuse that he's actually living in a computer program. Right, right. And so the Uncanny Valley yeah. stuff going on there is... Well, see, I didn't think there was any... Unca- I'm forgiving of that. I didn't think there was Uncanny Valley stuff going on with, with Clue from Tron, but you could just clearly tell it was CGI. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's okay. Yeah. To me, it was okay because, mm-hmm. yeah, he's he lives in CGI. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a I world. thought it was cool. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely... Um, I mean, I felt like I was watching him doing Big Trouble in Little China again or Escape <laughs> from New York. I mean, I felt like, you know, it's John Carpenter directing this back in the 80s. And, you know. So I love that scene. I love being there. They're listening to Brandy. They're smiling. And that is when the smile hit my face. And there, honestly, act one, the smile did not leave my face. Nice. Because then we go from that into what you're talking about with Baby Groot. Yes. Uh- and just, that is a masterwork of cinematography <laughs> and CGI, was. man. Good grief. That was wonderful. That was all done in one cut. And Well, yeah, the whole the scene <laughs> was all one cut, but uh, how many cuts do you think they had to do for... Well, I the, mean, I'm just... Stitch imagine, it all together. As I'm watching it, I'm just wondering how in the world did they storyboard this? I know. Because there's stuff going on off camera, and... And then 30 seconds later, you see the stuff that's going on off camera again. Continuing. And, and it's progressed, you know. And I'm sure they animated the entire fight scene. I wonder. And then just didn't show it all. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's like that shot in, uh, I don't know if they do this in every Avengers movie, but in the first one where they, they do that one long uncut shot of the fight in New York. Yeah. You know, it's clearly when they filmed it, it's not one cut. But together, it looks really great. Right. They, 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 right. it, it puts together seamlessly. Now, yeah. that's not to take away from the mastery here to say that it's not like we right. get to no, use no, cameras. Of course not. not. No, it's incredible. It's very good. Now, Steve, did you ever see? I think it was called Russian Arc. It was, was that the the movie that was one cut. Yeah, through a museum. I Whoa. wanted to see that. I, what? I An entire that. movie, and wow. they're like moving through a museum, and is all one cut, and it's almost. 
it's kind of this um, hyper fantasy kind of thing. And so you're, as they're walking through the museum, things are happening. And there's like one scene where they walk into this room and everyone's ballroom dancing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's the entire 90 minutes is choreographed into one. Wow. Long shot. I want to see this now. So yeah. it's like, it's like a play. Yeah. They just it film is, the whole thing. It is not very exciting. Didn't, but it's really, really I heard well about done. this though. Is it newer? Well, newer as in like since 2000. Okay. I mean, it's not like in the last two years or anything. Somebody was talking about something like this on a talk show recently. Well, there's Birdman. That was with, Birdman. With uh, Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Is that all one cut? It's not all one cut, but there's a ton of long, long camera shots where it, where it is one cut. Okay. And it feels like it could be all one one cut. Cool. But there's you can see the wipes. There's a couple places. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... All right, so anyway, Baby Groot, <laughs> Baby Groot, possibly the best thing in the movie. <laughs> possibly, I mean, he had, he had some scene stealing moments. I mean, because the, yeah. the whole scene is just about him, the button part, <laughs> and then the going to steal the thing. That is the best. He just keeps bringing back the wrong thing. So, he brings back a guy's toe. <laughs> I mean, that scene though, that scene very easily could have gone on. Well past as well. Oh, absolutely. And I think they actually do get, for some people, that might have gone past. Like, this isn't funny anymore. Oh, no. I was with it the whole time. I was too. Yeah, that was great. And it, it was Baby Groot. Now, we're not going to get Baby Groot again, though. Nope, he's a teenager, and by the time we see him next, he's going to be an adult. Yeah. Because this movie takes place six months after the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And then that means when they show up for Infinity War... He'll be an adult. It'll have been five years that have passed. Yeah. Because all the Earth's, Earth-bound Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff is moving in real time. Mm-hmm. Or close to it. But because of, this was disconnected to that, they were able to just do a six months later kind of thing. So Baby Groot is like the kid in Indiana Jones 2. No. He's there. We like him. <laughs> and then he's gone. No, because no. the kid in Indiana Jones 2 is gone forever completely gone short it didn't round, grow up short to, round was one of the best things about that whole entire series but short round should have grown up and been in yeah last crusade but he did not yeah but he did not should have been in i think it would have been one of the greatest callbacks ever if he had come back for a crystal skull that would have been, good. <laughs> that would have been really yeah. good but he's never shown up again on screen and that's unfortunate yeah it's too bad Okay, so we like baby. No time for love, Doctor Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So you want to talk about the plot? Yeah, I mean the plot exists to let the characters do stuff, so we want to spend time with them, and when we're not just spending time with them, hanging out and living life, yeah. But they're actually doing something. It's a. It's weird. It's a weird plot. I mean, you have the gold people, which was funny with their Atari ships. Oh, I love that. That was so great. <laughs> um, you have, uh, then you have, what's his name? Uh, the planet guy. Ego. Ego. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking of. And he, you know, gets them and takes them to the, himself, the planet. And it's all a big con to get... To get, are you doing spoilers right now? Oh, we yes, are. Yeah. Yes. To get this Star Lord to rule the universe with him, and they use their power together to 
to destroy all life in the universe. Well, the idea is one celestial is not powerful enough to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. The other celestials are gone and dead. He's the last. And so he needs to create another celestial. And so he has a son. And that's what's supposed to happen is his son is supposed to like access the powers and that puts them over the power need. Right. <laughs> and he's tried and failed with thousands of sons of, yeah, of heirs around the galaxy. Yes. And he's killed them all over time. Yeah. Um, which is horrible. And it's even more horrible when you find out that, uh, Yondu is, is supplying those kids yeah. and that they're they're going to their deaths, you know. Um, they lost me on Yondu because of that. Like the whole yeah. point of this movie is to to like, redeem him, kind to of. bring yeah, to to make you look at Yondu as a surrogate father for Star Lord for Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he's been do- dealing in child trafficking. Yeah. I mean, he is going, kidnapping children from their mother, taking them to Ego, and then the redemption point is he realizes Ego's been killing them. And so that's why he doesn't take Peter back to Ego. And instead keeps Peter as a slave on his ship. Right. And threatens to kill him all the time and says it's a joke. Yep. And then we're supposed to be rooting for Yondu when he's like... That guy might be his father, but he ain't your daddy. And I'm just like, but you ain't either because you are a horrible, awful man who did horrible, awful things to this kid. But he feels bad about them. Yeah. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. I am not taking this. I'm not on this journey with him. I am not at all on this journey with Yondu that he's some special father figure to Peter. Yeah, but see, we didn't, we didn't, we don't know. At least I don't know. Did did Yondu know what was happening to the kids before he stopped delivering them? I'm not sure how far ahead of time he knew. Like, if he found that out as he was bringing Peter, or you know, he, he I think the the impression I got though is he knew a few times. Mm-hmm. Like he knew a few times, and finally with Peter, he decided I'm not going to do this. Enough is enough. And yes, I believe in redemption. You know, and if there's a person out there who's doing tor- terrible, horrible, no good, very bad things, that person can stop doing those terrible, horrible, no good, very bad things and become a new person, a new creation. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's the case with Yondu. But he, but let's compartmentalize here a little bit. That's the child kidnapping part of things. <laughs> then there's the raising Peter with pirates and just the horrible awfulness of the life and the things that he made Peter do and raised Peter to accept as normal, but then also the threats that he's going to eat, eat Peter, Mm -hmm. you know, and just different things like that. And so I'm watching this and the emotional response I'm supposed to have about Yondu. I, I somewhat turn against it because I feel like they're trying to just push me into it. Yeah. And, and I just can't accept it. There was a little bit of emotion when he died and there was some fun, you know, stuff about when he's finally joining up with them and working with them. That's fun, redemptive, you know, he's, he's actually doing the right thing for the right reasons. Right. But then 
the whole last 10 minutes of the movie is all about Yondu and all about Yondu's funeral yep. and all about how Yondu's finally going to be honored. And, uh, yeah. So that's, see, they, yeah. they, they won me over a little bit more with him just because of the amount of remorse he showed throughout the first two acts of the movie. Like he's, he's feels horrible about everything that went down in the first movie, everything that went down with Peter, you know, when they're with the robot ladies and um, then when he's in jail after he got all his crew got killed. So if they had left it at that, I'm with you. Except that they tried to shoehorn in this, I'm your real daddy. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who raised you. And that would have been a whole lot more palatable to me. And Peter's response to it would have been a whole lot more palatable to me if he had actually been a good guy yeah or had actually been trying to be a good father figure but instead the father figure we get from yondu is it's way too late and for me i'm putting myself in peter's shoes i'm wondering how in the world is he accepting this you know like he's (laughs) he's going along with it like see and but i can i kind of see how he could though And, and maybe i'm wrong but you know obviously he's not a good father by our standards or the Bible standards at all, you know, but, um, and even though he, he did those things to Peter, he, ne- you know, I feel like what I got out of these two movies, he never actually harmed Peter. He never actually, you know, went to an abusive level or anything. Yeah. It's the, it's the verbal stuff. There's verbal abuse. Yep. There's emotional abuse. And then there was like pushing him to do things, putting him in danger. But I I don't think he ever physically harmed Peter. Right. Unless it was like some sort of tussle. Smacking him on the head. Yeah. But I I never got the impression Um, that he was actually like would would assault Peter or anything like that. And I see I'm forgiving of the putting him in danger and raising him as a pirate thing just because, I mean, this is a fantasy sci-fi movie and people get raised as pirates all the time. And – they have to grow. They have to become a pirate somehow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, so that I give a pass just because it's a it's a fantasy movie. And so I don't know. For me, I was feel I was with him in the feelings department with the Yondu thing. I do have a hard time reconciling the kidnapping and the murder delivery thing he's doing. <laughs> but but with all the remorse he's feeling, and you know, willing to sacrifice his life for Peter shows he does love him and he does care about him. And Peter seems to understand that even if he did a horrible job of showing it throughout their relationship. I don't know. Yeah. Just couldn't go on that ride with them. Nope. Well, this is a good, we're talking about dads. We're talking about dads. Yeah. So might as well just talk about it now. So we have Yondu. He's a dad. And then we have, well, sort of. He, he considers himself a dad. <laughs> no, he consider yeah, he considers himself Peter's daddy. Yeah. He And that's the whole... Ego might be your father, but he ain't your daddy. Right. The impression is, I am, I raised you, you know, and yeah, which would have been for me better if he had been a better example, better father. But right. we also have Ego, <laughs> who is the exact opposite because outside he's really nice and caring and, you know, a fun guy to be with. And on the inside, he's a murdering murderer who murders children. Yep. 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 And I was, this is the journey that I was with Peter on because when he shows up, I'm thinking there's gotta be something wrong with him. 
mm-hmm. but he's winning. He's winsome. I mean, he wins you over. Yeah. You know, and it's Kurt Russell, man. How could you deny that smile? <laughs> you know, it's, you just can't deny it. Okay. The part where he's like, I, ima- I imagine what life would be like if I were to ever encounter it. And then I turn myself into that. And it's just an 80s version of Kurt Russell. It's what he envisions life, all life in the galaxy would well, look like. <laughs> and then, I mean, he goes to all these different planets and fathers all these different children at these different planets as he's also laying these, I mean, he's bombs, seeds. Bombs, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, there's a couple different fathering uh metaphors going on here but he's actually spreading his seed as he is maybe making children with his seed so to speak and then also he um he himself when he's like early on in his developments looks like a a sperm like with his oh, i didn't get that the brain with a tail kind of i thing. did think the brain thing was weird like yeah. that's why i think this is a weird one because it's like all the other mcu stuff they try to make it like look sort of realistic mm-hmm. you know like fit but they don't have to for this <laughs> i just feel like it's an odd duck like okay so along with all the other stuff we know about the marvel cinematic universe now we know there's floating brains out in or there was floating yeah. brains out in space that, right yeah you know. and and the difference between yondu and ego as far as how they treated uh peter and how they treated the father figureness of them with yondu he actually at least was like sparing Peter's life, saving his life, and then giving him a life. Yeah. Um, ego gave him life, but the whole purpose is to extend ego's own life, mm. which is one reason why people have children is mm. like, this is, this is my legacy. This is, you know, what comes behind me. And so like, I have my, I have my business or I have my, this, or I have my, that, and that gets passed on, to someone. It's not just something I created that's going to die with me, but it's going to continue with my children. And that's, I mean, taking it into just the broadest of terms, that's what ego is doing. He's creating his legacy. Now his legacy is transforming the entire universe into his image. Yeah. And you know, and it only being him. Yeah. Like he's going to be the only so, thing in existence. And I don't know how that works with the other, like with his son. Yeah. You know, but yeah. So odd, but I'm watching and I, I don't want it to happen. Like, I know there's something bad that's going to come out of this because it's the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? He comes and rescues them. And then we move into act two and act two is on the planet and they're just on the planet with him. And there's no conflict here. There's nothing going on that's in conflict except for those gold people are, are maybe going to come after them again. And I'm just thinking, if there's no conflict here, where's the conflict going to come from? Well, it's, there's only one place it can come from, and yep. that's his dad. Yep. And yeah. So for me, I'm like analyzing the story and just thinking, oh, it can't be what I want it to be. Like, I was just. You wanted like, to be a good dad? I want to be a good dad. <laughs> it's Kurt Russell. <laughs> be a good dad, Kurt Russell. Oh, he's evil. And he wasn't just a bad dad. Like he's a, I'm going to destroy the universe dad. Yeah. With you. Yeah. And we have another father Ooh, figure. Yeah. We have another father figure in the person of David Hasselhoff. It's true. <laughs> who, who shows up. Yeah. 
That was hilarious. Yeah. He shows up twice. <laughs> I loved it when he, cause he, it was, it was Chekhov's David Hasselhoff mm-hmm. where they talk about David Hasselhoff. You told, you lied to kids and said he was your father and said he was, a, you know, whatever. And then he, is this what you want me to look like? Yeah. <laughs> it's David Hasselhoff. <laughs> and then he, he shows up to rap for yep. the end credits. The credits. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then you have the father figure of Rocket, who is kind of taking the parental role for Baby Groot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually all of them are kind of you know watching out for him, but more so Rocket. I love the part of the opening credits where uh, Rocket stops in the middle of the fight to make sure Baby Groot spits out whatever he's just put in his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> and he goes back to keep fighting that was very relatable for me at this stage of my life <laughs> yeah that doesn't end being relatable for you for a long nice long time good so just be aware of that okay <laughs> and then you have the um the the two girls mm-hmm. the sisters Thanos. and they're dealing dealing with how their father dealt with them and how it you know works now in this weird triangle mm. And of course, Thanos we don't see in this right, movie, unfortunately. Uh, but they definitely talk about him, yeah. And that's what Nebula wants to do. Like that's, I wondered if that's what's going to take us, you know, bring them into Infinity War. Is that Nebula has gone out to look for Thanos, and as Thanos is coming toward Earth, she finds him and goes and gets the others and says, "Come with me" or something like that. That's what but, I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, Nebula and Gamora, which. In the Welcome to Level 7 episode that we did about this, I kept saying Gamera. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. This is not a giant turtle creature who can pull his legs in and start spinning around like a UFO. No. She's still green, but (laughs) it's... Did you know there's an episode of the Justice League show where they actually, like, basically fight Gamera? No. I'll have to show you that. Yeah. There's there's one where they fight a, a version of Cthulhu. They call them Ichthulu. Oh, yes. But it's basically, yep. yeah, it's basically, it's Cthulhu. That's kind of an interesting I, take on it. I did a comic book, and someday I want to get back to these guys, but the, the series would be about it's, it's these three kids who are in a horrible accident. They're called the Triborgs because there's three of them. <laughs> and one of them has uh, cyborg arms, one cyborg legs, and one has a cyborg face. And so he has, like, vision and hearing and all that stuff. And they fight a giant gamera like turtle nice and they win by flipping him over on his back ah and <laughs> nice yeah. yeah but anyway that's cool gamora not gamera yes those are the sisters and yeah and they're definitely dealing with the whole with their father figure mm. yeah who, yeah he's he's the worst of the worst he's worse than ego i no you don't think? No. Ego wants to use his son to destroy the entire universe. Thanos just wants to destroy the entire universe as a love gift for his. Well, we don't know yet. <laughs> we don't know yet. If they don't In the do movies, that? we don't know what it is yet. But what we have is the you know for him as a father, the relationship he had with his daughters, he's pushing them to be warriors. And the way he's doing it is emotionally and physically abusive. He's tearing his one daughter apart every time piece she loses. by piece. Yeah. Hey, girls, want to play Candyland? No. <laughs> no, we don't, Dad. Why not? <laughs> well, first of all, it's not a game of skill. 
It's all random. Yeah, obviously. you just pull the cards out. I got Queen Frostine. Kershu Gamora! <laughs> Queen anyway, Frostine. Yeah. How come there's no movie about her? I don't think Thanos is as bad as Ego. But they're both so bad that it really doesn't matter who's worse. Very true. So. Um, I really didn't like Nebula in the first movie. I thought she was a, a wasted character. but he, Totally. But here... I mean, they really, with the stuff that they, they divulge, uh, you know, I really feel for her and get into, I got into her character. Yeah, you understand one. all those things so much more in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, man, if that's a, if that's a, if that's a pretty good reason to hate somebody. <laughs> yeah. So another father figure, Sylvester Stallone. He's like Yandu's father figure. He's the yeah. one who rescued Yandu out of slavery He's the one who gave Yondu. I mean, he he raised Yondu in, the, in a very similar way to the way Yondu raised Peter. I mean, he brought this kid on into this pirate family, clans, or whatever they have. Um, and Yondu, the the first emotional thing that I got from Yondu was just the way that he. You could tell he was so upset that he had been rejected by this father figure. Of, of Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. you know, you could tell that he had, he's still, you know, 20 years later, he is still just torn up that he got kicked out because he broke the, the code and went ahead and, and was doing child trafficking. And, and he's, he's still torn up about it and he's looking for forgiveness. And that starts then. And it ends at the end when they come in with the fireworks, the mm-hmm. space fireworks. And and he basically gets that forgiveness from Sylvester Stallone and the other um, Ravengers. Yeah. You know who's not a good father figure? Um, like Ta- everybody? Taser face. <laughs> Taser face. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say... <laughs> Taserface is one of those that you, you don't want to be a leader like him. He <laughs> yeah. is not a leader to try and emulate. No. Uh, yeah, there's there, he made mistakes. Let's just say mistakes. Mistakes. First were made. one was giving him that name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His first mistake was like they say, looking in the mirror and saying, "You know, it would be an awesome name." Because <laughs> you know, his mom <laughs> didn't give him that name. <laughs> so, <laughs> but then you have. Uh, Peter Quill calling himself Star Lord, like it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I loved. I mean, that was one of the ways that Ego got in on it. Was see, but his mom gave him that name though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so not well. quite the same. Steve, what'd you think of the music? I'm trying to remember uh, specifically the songs. Um, I I remember more of the first ones. Um, yeah, I mean, this one they weren't as the 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 popular songs, but I the Brandy song that they used, <laughs> I I can't get that song out of my head. Still, still, see, they, they it's it's interesting that it's obviously someone who loves music that's doing this, and it's not you know they're not just like picking the hits or anything like that. I mean, the, you know, mm-hmm. Brandy had had lyrics that meant something to the film and you know uh, almost all the songs 
have something to do with the plot or they have something to do with the character or they have something to do with something. And even the throwaway songs that aren't like the, you know, the ones that are in the ads, you know, are, there's something in them. Um, so, you know, the, whoever is doing the music, I probably should have Googled it in five seconds would have given me I, more information than whoever, but <laughs> well, I just, this one, the, the songs that were showing up were songs that I was familiar with and humming along with some of them, but not nearly all of them. The first movie, every single song, like every single song, but then Brandy, yeah. <laughs> they, they use it and reuse it and requote it and then explain to us why they're requoting it. <laughs> it's just, okay. That's one thing. This movie's not subtle, right? Yeah. This movie doesn't try to be subtle. There are some subtle things, but they definitely try and say, this is what we're saying with this movie. And we're going to say it out loud right now. <laughs> and we're going to say it out loud again, <laughs> just in case you missed it in the, yeah. in the nosebleed seats. Yeah. So. It's kind of like the Lego Batman movie where it opens with the Michael Jackson quote. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. But, I mean, still, the vibe is fantastic. I mean, the, the musical vibe, the the pacing. I think that there were some jokes that they didn't need. Yep. There was, there was only one that really took me out of the movie, and I was like, okay, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> well there's only one and that's where you move from like natural comedy into sitcom comedy where yeah. it's we're gonna do this funny thing because it's really funny but Ugh. the one i'm talking about is like straight out of home alone i don't it, it's the jetpack with drax's nipples oh <laughs> where he's like my nipples he just flies at the camera i was like okay Where's Macaulay Culkin? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, there were there were some there, there were more jokes in this one, which meant that they had more opportunity to be funnier, but they also had more opportunity to just be just fall flat. Mm -hmm. I'm very more curious on a second viewing if I'm going to laugh as much as I did in yeah. the first viewing. What pulled me out of it was the whole like some of rockets traps where he's like launching a whole bunch of people in the air and just keeps. Oh, see, I like that up. part. <laughs> it's funny, but it wasn't, it broke the laws of physics in ways that the MCU hasn't done because. Are you talking about just for a visual gag? Yeah. It, it was a visual gag. That's funny. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily fit, you know, what. That's like the Pac-Man thing. But that was in the context of whatever you can imagine you can be. Yeah. Definitely a visual gag. They set it up. <laughs> like he's, I would totally do this and this, and I'd make a statue of Pac-Man right there. <laughs> and then later when he actually becomes Pac-Man, you're just kind of, oh, ah. Yeah. Eh. Oh, well. It's 80s stuff. It is. Let's just go with it. At least it wasn't Alf or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> could have been Alf. Yeah. Hey, no problem. Alf could have shown up in the uh, place with Howard the Duck. Yeah. Yeah, we had Howard the Duck again, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I hate Howard's beak. I hate his beak. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. Howard. That's how you really feel. Howard, if they do a whole movie with that design, that character design. They, they will. 
If, they won't. But if they, if they did, do one, it's going to be that design. That's though. yeah, yeah, yeah. If they did a movie with that design, I would be sitting there just like, oh, I hate that beach. Then I will not be oh, surprised if we get a Howard the Duck movie. I would be very surprised. This is the closest we're going to get. There's no yeah. way the MCU dies without getting a Howard the Duck movie. No, no. I think I no. think they're done. I think they've no, been will, there, done that, buried it. He will show up in the next Guardians movie. I don't think he'll be in the next Infinity War movie, or the, the Avengers Infinity yeah. War, where Guardians show up. But maybe he'll join the Guardians. Yeah. Steve, yes. I got to hear your opinion on Stanley's cameo. Oh yes, that was great. What'd you think, Stanley's- man? cameo was he was in a spacesuit yeah, telling yeah. stories to the watchers yeah that was i'm i'm trying to think of a weirder cameo that he's had he's had some really interesting ones this one i think is i mean if i mean god forbid he he passes away you know sometime soon but he's he's in his 90s mm-hmm. so it's not like he doesn't have the chance to pass away. This this could be the last one. So it, I mean, if this were the last one, it would be so iconic. I mean, this is how do you top this one? You know, I mean, what does does Thanos take off a, a, his his face mask and it's Stan Lee? Or, you know, I mean, does <laughs> that would <Dr>. be awesome. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, where do you go from there? It's just it's just so out there but it fits it's so perfect you know? it is the yeah. perfect one for me i love it because one of the fan, the fan theories was that he was a watcher mm-hmm. i love that this this he's not a watcher he he pays um it pays homage to the theory but it does but then he's with the watchers he's telling them stories like that is what makes it so perfect is yeah. that all of these cameos are basically him collecting stories for the watchers for the watchers (laughs) about the heroes that he had a hand in. And that's what I love so much about it is that he is for lack of a better word. I mean, I want to call him the storyteller, Mm -hmm. you know, Stan Lee. That's, that's just the perfect homage to who he is for the Marvel universe. And it's it's the perfect cameo. It's the perfect character to have the cameo with because it's, from his original uh, super book that got famous, Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. uh, the Watchers from there. So yeah, I, it yeah. just it's it's perfect in so many different ways. It, it's really, really, uh, you know, practically speaking, what does this mean? Does this mean he doesn't age? Because back in World War II, when he was a general, <laughs> and he's right, yes, or whatever he was, you know, sitting there, yeah. um, he's clearly not human. There's something. Mm. There's something. He could be, uh, you know, he could be Asgardian, or he could be. Actually, he could even be like Olympian. Mm. Or something like that. But he could be the man on the wall. The man on the wall from. Uh, did you ever read Original Sin? No, I haven't. Okay. Where have I? No, I read. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, he couldn't be Immortal Man, Steve. Do you know why? Immortal Man is actually going to be in uh, Secret. Warrior, no, not Secret Warriors. What are they calling it? New Warriors. New Warriors. New Warriors is a TV show set in the MCU, and it will have Speedball and Mister Immortal. Are you serious? I am serious. <laughs> uh, it's a ten episode thing on what used to be ABC Fram- Families, now Freeform. Freeform. 
Um, why? I mean, why are they doing that? <laughs> I don't know, but that's why why Stanley cannot be Mister Immortal. Wow. Here, here's an interesting thing to think about. The Watcher, there's no question, is a Fantastic Four character, right? Mm-hmm. Who has the rights to that stuff? Twentieth Century Fox. Yeah. Hmm. But it could be the type of thing where it's not a, hmm. it's not a, it's not a character you're going to make a movie out of. I don't know. Well, they had so. they had to trade to get Ego because Ego was with somebody else, and they had to they had to do some bartering to get him yeah. for the. And movie. I wonder oh, okay. if the watch watchers were a part of that or something. I wonder if they have the Fantastic Four. I don't think they do. Uh, not yet. We would have heard something about it if would they did. We? Yeah. I think maybe I would love sneak. it if they just show up in Infinity War at the end or something, and then we get a prequel movie explaining where they were and how they got there. We'll see. That's what I'm hoping for. We'll see. That could happen. All right. Anything else for this special Father's Day episode about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Um, don't be a dad like most of the dads in this movie. Yeah, don't be a horrible yeah. father. How about that? Don't be a dad who only wants their children to be their legacy which can only lead to disappointment Mm -hmm. and conflict. Yeah. Uh, Don't be a dad who is abusive emotionally. Yeah. And physically. Physically. That's Um, not good either. If you're going to be a dad who is going to be a surrogate dad, you just be a dad. You, you love that kid and don't pretend you don't love that kid and threaten you're going to eat him. Yep. Yep. You know, don't put your children against each other. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. maybe just on a slightly more serious tip, adoption is awesome. And when you have a child that you've adopted, whether it's, you know, through the legal system or whatever, I mean, if, if you have something or someone you call a child and you feel as though you're a father or a mother to that child, that is awesome. Because how does the Bible refer to us? We're adopted children of God. You know, when we have repented and put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are adopted. And so many people think of, you know, the adopted, you know, redheaded stepchildren and, and all that different stuff. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful, you know, picture that in the Bible that we're given to represent what we are. We're adopted. So whenever I talk to kids who are adopted or, or whatever, however it, it works out in their family, I make sure that they understand that that's awesome, you know, that they get to be adopted twice. I only get to be adopted once, so, you know, too yeah. bad for me. But they get to be adopted twice, and they get to understand it in a different way. And it makes their adoption, which was probably weird and awkward and odd and all these different things that we as humans don't like to have to deal with or have to go through. But all of a sudden in retrospect, since they have wonderful God fearing, God loving parents, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, wait a minute. This is the way it's supposed to be. You know, it is scary becoming a Christian for the first time or whatever, you know, and you, you don't know what to expect. You don't, know all these different things and, and you know what does all the terminology mean etc cetera, etc cetera. but 
when it when you go through with it, it's this wonderful. It's like I, I couldn't have imagined it any differently than this. It's this is how it's supposed to be. And just amazing. So And to piggyback on that some, as we're talking about fathers, um and then our heavenly father. I mean, we have, we have such great bad examples in this movie mm-hmm. of <laughs> every single possible father situation. Um, you have the the father who leaves his child before his child's even born. You have the father who is just abusive. You have the father who is um, just not a great father. You know, you have all these things going on, uh, and these are all really poor reflections of good fatherhood. Uh, and that's again, kind of going a little bit serious here, but the fathers we have here on earth are just pale reflections mm. of the awesomeness of our heavenly father. And right. to the point where, you know, I had a, um, a girlfriend in college who had a real hard time accepting the idea of God as her father, mm. because her father was such a terrible father. And, and she had to like literally work through all of that just in order to be able to accept God as a father, you know, and it, it was, it was really interesting uh, to, to see her walk through some of that. But mm-hmm. um, so that's what we have here is we have these pale reflections of good fatherhood, but even the three of us, as we are sitting here talking about fatherhood, I mean, we are pale reflections of absolutely of God, the father. Right. So Evan, you got a final word? That was, that's a good note to end on right there. I, um, whenever I'm teaching at youth, I always tell them like, you know, no, it doesn't matter what type of father figure you have at your home or don't have at your home. God is the best father there could ever be. And everything that your father figure gets wrong here on the earth, he's, he's going to get right. All right. Um, and that's awesome. Yeah. So with that said, we want to say thank you so much for listening to all you dads out there. You know what? Even if it's not Father's Day, happy Father's Day. That's right. Every day is Father's <laughs> Day, right? Because you're a father every day. Moms, right. we didn't do a mom's episode, but happy Mother's Day to you. And kids, you if you're listening right now, uh, I don't know why you're listening to this episode about this movie. but <laughs> Happy Kids Day. Happy Kids Day. Yeah. We, we, actually, we used to do it every once in a while. We'd do happy kids day. Children's Day. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Um yeah, so happy Father's Day. Um, Evan, you want to talk about our sponsor, sort oh, of, yes, so yes. to speak? Once again, we got new podcast art uh, up on our website, up on the Facebook page, up on our podcast cover. And it's done by Chip at dogwings.us. So he designs, uh, he does like logos. For anything, uh, he does a lot of sports logos also and, and designs mascots and stuff for sports teams. So if you need something like that for your little league or your community center or for a national professional chain sport, just remember <laughs> dogwings.us. He also does T-shirt designs, cartoons, caricatures, whatever you need. Um, and he did a great job with our stuff. We really like it. And yeah. uh, thank you again. And uh, he's sponsoring us for the next foreseeable future here so uh you'll keep hearing about it go check it out and i also want to say before i shut things down and press the button to stop recording we did not sing that song 
that song that if you go to certain churches, you've sang it and sang it and sang it about fathers, about God, being a good father, not just a good father, <laughs> but a good, good one. Oh, goodness. We did not sing it. And we're not gonna. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for listening. And Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Strangers and Aliens summer movie series. You can email us at podcast.strangersandaliens.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-804-37-ALIEN. That's 1-804-372-5436. We'd love to hear from you. You can also go to our website, strangersandaliens.com, leave a comment on the blog, or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. We're also on Twitter, Strange and Alien. Check us out. <laughs>